Good evening, all. The book of Proverbs says, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from trouble. Proverbs 21, 23. Tonight, our lesson for consideration is concerning the Christian and the tongue, specifically here at the Anchorage Congregation, and our use of the tongue in our speech. Someone once said, that was much older than me, the tongue You better watch that old tongue. It's in a wet place. It's liable to slip. That's about right, right? It wasn't court that said it, but it was somebody older than me. We must be careful with what we say and how we use the tongue. Great damage can be done with our speech, our words, and our actions. What does the book of Proverbs teach us about the Christian and his his or her tongue? First of all, we learn that we as Christians need to guard our tongues. Godly people need to guard their tongue and their speech very carefully. Again, as we read in Proverbs 21, 23, it records, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from trouble. Now, when you think about the idea of guarding, you're protecting, you're putting up defenses and making sure that something doesn't get in or doesn't get out. That's the idea. We guard our house maybe with a security system um, and probably with a deadbolt on the front door or maybe we put a fence around our property. Maybe we can put a gate in our driveway so no one just drives up it. We all understand the idea of guarding. You're protecting and you're keeping something safe. You, You think, I want to control my thoughts as well. But controlling, not letting that thought come out of my mouth that probably shouldn't come out. That's a big part of self-control. And it relates to the tongue. Guard your tongue very, very carefully. You only want to let things come out that are good and things that are helpful and true and things that are right. Listen to what the scripture says In Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, concerning the Christian speech, the word of God says, let your speech be always with, be with, be always with grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each, each man. Our speech needs to be gracious with salt. Kind, the kind of idea of preserving or helpful in every way, and we ought to be ready to answer, according to 1 Peter 3.15. Be ready always to give an answer. Well, we want to speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15. That doesn't mean that we can't say things that aren't true, excuse me, that are true, even if people don't really like that. That's not the idea, but why are we saying it? You know, why are we saying the things we're saying? In Galatians 4.16, Paul said, Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? The truth and saying the truth is part of speaking what's right and what's good. But we need to consider our motives as well. You know, why are we saying that? Why are we saying the things that we are saying? Are we saying it with the right attitude and the right approach? And are we letting people know we're saying it 
out of love. We want to speak God's truth because we love people and we want them to go to heaven. The first guidance that we receive from the book of Proverbs on the tongue, I think is very good. Let's guard our tongue and our speech very carefully. Watch carefully what comes out of your mouth. Think about what you're about to say before you say it. Ask yourself, is this going to be right? Is it going to be true? Is it going to be helpful? Why am I getting ready to say what I'm getting ready to say? What is my motive? And then be very careful what you let out of your mouth, for it can do great good or great damage to the hearers. Now I'll pause here and say, I know for a fact that no matter who stands here and preaches and whoever stands in front of us and teaches a Bible class, there are just some people that just, I'm not going to do it because you're telling me to do it. I'm not going to do it because I'm not ready to do it. But look at the book of Proverbs. When we look at the book of Proverbs and if we have that attitude, we need to understand that we can kind of see why we need to be careful about what we say. You see, the book of Proverbs teaches us what we should say and how we use our tongue. can either uh, save or destroy other people. I want to bring your attention to Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21. The word of God says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Now, how is it that death and life are in the power of the tongue? We got to realize that uh, the tongue has a potential, or it has, we have to realize the potential of what we say and the effect that it has on other people. By saying good things and saying right things, I can encourage people. You can encourage people. I and you can lift people up. We can encourage one another, according to Hebrews 3.13. I can lift people up, Hebrews 10, 24. And we can promote godliness. We can promote good living. We can give people, as it were, by our words, a good shot in the arm uh, to keep living for Christ. Kind of like vaccinations, right? Some vaccinations are supposed to help. Court was talking to me today about that. Or you can do the exact opposite. By your words, you can be beat down. You can get knocked down. You, by your words, can destroy. You can discourage. You can actually do detriment to people. You can do detriment to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, we all can think about people who've done both of these in our lives. Right here in this congregation, maybe. Because I'm talking to us here in this congregation. I think what we need to understand that when Whoever's standing here, whoever's speaking, when we're speaking to one another, we're not talking about the world. We're talking about us and how we need to make sure in the house of the Lord that we are doing what we are supposed to do before we start pointing the fingers at others. Just thought I'd mention that. You can think of people who are great encouragers, who are always in your corner. Even when it was bad, they were there trying to lift you up and help you out. Then I'm sure, just like me, you can think of people who everything they say is negative. They spew venom. It was hateful what they said. And they did more harm 
than they could ever imagine. Maybe I did that too. Maybe you did that as well. Church, we've got to be very careful what we say and how we use our tongue because, as Scripture says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love the tongue and those who realize it's good will eat its fruit. They can rejoice and find good things from that. Let's each be careful what we say because it affects, um, can do much good or so much harm. So then in the book of Proverbs, or from the book of Proverbs, we realize that as it relates to the godly person, especially to the child of God, we want to make sure that we use our tongues to speak the truth. That's what God wants all of us to do. Look in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 8, in verse 7. It says, for my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. To the child of God, we must understand that the child, uh, to, to God, our lips have been given to him, to God. Our tongues have been given to God. Our lips, our speech, they're all synonymous for the same thing. Everything that we have in our being and especially our tongues, since that's what I'm talking about, all belong to God. Well, what does that mean? That means I'm going to speak the truth, and I'm going to speak what's right. You see, there is great value in the truth, and there's great value in speaking it. The Bible says, as Jesus is speaking in John chapter 8, verse 31, he says, to those Jews, or it says, to those Jews who believe him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. When I speak the truth with my lips, with my tongue, when that comes out of my mouth in love, that has the ability to set people free from sin. And helps point them toward God and his law. And to live the kind of life that God wants them to live. Listen to Proverbs 23, verse 23. As it relates to the power of the truth, the Bible says this in Proverbs 23. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. You see how all those go with truth? It says buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom, instruction, and understanding. That's what comes with truth. Truth, whatever the price we might have to pay, is such a great value. And that's why we want to speak it and we want to tell others all about it. We all need to realize as we study the Bible what truth is. In John 17, verse 17, Jesus prayed to the Father, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. All of God's commandments are true and righteous. Psalm 19, starting at verse 7, says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And Psalm 119, 160 says, The entirety of your word is truth. 
and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. You see, the ultimate truth, as we should know, and if you don't know, is God's word. The Christian wants to speak that. We as Christians should want to tell others about it in love. And we want to spread the gospel. This is really the heart of what is meant in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15, where it says, preach the truth, speak the truth in love. If the truth saves, and it does, I'm telling you it does, then we want people to know, and we want people to know God's love. We want people to know God's mercy and his salvation. Sometimes even when you speak the truth, though, and you speak it in love, it's not popular. Do we understand that? People don't like that. People don't want to hear about things that are immoral. Again, I'm talking to Christians. Things that are wrong, things that are ungodly, I don't want to hear about that. Things that are contrary to the will of God. Even then, we still have to speak the truth in love, even if people don't want to hear it. That's why Paul asked, have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Paul wasn't their enemy. They just didn't want to hear certain truths. And Paul was still speaking the truth. Sometimes it's easy speaking the truth to others. And sometimes it's not. But we, children of God, need to use our mouths to speak the truth of God in love at all times. When we look at the book of Proverbs to learn about the tongue even more, let's also realize that God hates a tongue that is used for deceptive purposes. Look in Proverbs chapter 6. Look there for a moment and you will notice that what the Bible says. We have a laundry list of things that God hates in Proverbs six seventeen. As he enumerates those things he hates, he says in verse 17, as you see on the screen, that God also hates a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. I was studying for this lesson. I kept thinking, wow, that look what that is in the middle of, a proud look and, and, and hands that shed innocent blood. A lying tongue goes right there hand in hand with that, that list. One of the things that a Christian has to be very careful about is being deceptive with his or her tongue. Lying, slandering, cheating, using it for malicious purposes or intents is something we've got to avoid. Many people have to struggle with this, and it may not be as though a person is just an out-and-out liar, but there are often times in our life when it'll be easier not to tell the truth or maybe a slight on the truth uh, just a little bit. Well, a Christian cannot use his tongue or his lips for lying or deceptive purposes. There are several passages in the Bible that teach this. Colossians 3, 9 says to the Christian, Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. See, you're no longer in that old body, he's saying. You are no longer living according to the world and according to sin. Therefore, don't lie to one another anymore. Proverbs 12:22 furthers the idea of lying when it says, "Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his light." 
Proverbs again in verse 17, um, chapter 6, verse 17 says, A proud look and a lying tongue, those are things that God despises. I want to make sure in my life that as I speak, as I relate to others, that I'm honest, that I'm true, that I'm open, that I'm not lying, and that I always try to tell the truth and do what's right with my tongue. Then the Bible teaches us from the book of Proverbs that our speech ought to promote health, healing, and goodwill toward other people. I want you to look in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. Notice what God says about the tongue here. There is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. Have you ever known a person or any people who were just kind of total opposites in this area. I know people you, and you probably know people that if you get around them, and I mentioned this last week, and you hear them speak very long, it's like getting pricked with a sword or getting, you know, stabbed with a sword, more likely. It's like what somebody said some time ago, being around some people and listening to them talk, it's kind of like petting a, uh, a porcupine eventually you're going to get hurt. It's going to hurt. Well, there are people like that. You know people like that. And, and I hope you're not like that. And I hope that I'm not like that for you. Well, these type of people don't have much good to say. And they're often negative. They're often running others down. And they do so much harm as it were piercing people with their tongue. They use their tongue as their weapon. And then there are other people who use the tongue to be wise. Rather than being like poking somebody with a needle or a sword, they promote health. The Christian speech should promote health and healing. When we're talking to one another, I mentioned this last week as well, I should feel better because I've talked to you. It's possible to do that. And it's possible to be that type of person that can help that person feel better. I can't speak for anyone else, but I know that on Thursday nights when the brothers get together, always feel better after we've hung up. And we're kind of hesitant to hit the end button at that. It's kind of like, well, you, you hang up first. That's what it feels like a lot of times. When you're around a Christian and you hear him or her talk, you ought to not feel like you've been poked with a needle or prodded with a gold. Rather, we ought uh, to be encouraged and uplifted by that. First Thessalonians 5.11, the Bible says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Hebrews 3.13 again says, But exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We ought to encourage, uplift, and build up one another. We can all think of maybe messages or sermons we've heard or passages in the Bible that we've read. Or maybe you, when you get through hearing or reading those things, you're uplifted and you're encouraged and ready to go out and conquer the world. Well, how are we going to use our tongue? Are we going to, to use it to encourage or is it going to be like getting stabbed with a needle or a sword. Let's use it to encourage and uplift other people. I know I've said that several times already, 
That's because we need, we need encouragement to do that. We need reminders to encourage one another. One of the things that the Bible clearly teaches is that the Christian should use his tongue to avoid gossip. John asked me what I was going to be preaching on, and he asked me for songs, some songs, and um, angry words did not come straight to my mind, and I don't know why it did not, because I knew what I was going to speak on, but I appreciate that he led that song, because here is what I'm thinking about. When we talk about gossip, the book of Proverbs will use sometimes the word slander, or uh, which is a malicious intent. Sometimes it'll use the word back, backbiting, or busybody, or tailbearer. The Bible will use those words as well, but we all know what gossip is, down to the little ones. We all know what gossip is. When somebody hears something, they may not know it's true, and their motives probably aren't really to help or do any good, but they heard something that's juicy, that's, that's entertaining, and they run and tell that. Everybody looks at them as a source and thinks, well, how do they know that? You know, they seem so very important. That just begins to spread and it changes and, it, and moves and it becomes a monster in and of itself before it's all said and done. Let me, let me say this far because I was thinking of this too. The very first time that I understood what gossip was, was I was in kindergarten learning about the telephone game. So I tell you something, you tell somebody else, you're supposed to tell them the same thing, and by the time it gets to the back of the room, it's totally changed. It's a kid's game, right? Well, all the kids that are listening here in person and online, it gets worse when you become an adult. Because adults sometimes act like little children, and we ought not to be that way. Gossip has infiltrated the church. It's done so much harm. Listen to what the Bible says about that in Proverbs chapter 11. Verse 13, the scripture records these words. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps the thing covered. What's the heart and the attitude of the person, of this, of the slanderer, of the gossiper? They are all about telling everybody else's secrets. I know some people, and we've all known people like this. Anytime anything happens, the first thing they do is pick up the phone and begin to call and text people. They get on the gossip line. They begin to tell everyone else, or they email someone, or get on Facebook or some other social media, or they text, and they say, I'm not talking about anybody, but whatever it may be, they just want to spread that dirt everywhere. Is that really the way we're to use our tongue? You know the answer is no. The Bible says that one who is trustworthy, that's the one who, who can keep a thing covered. Well, maybe I heard something that wasn't really good and, and, and maybe it's, it's really bad. But maybe there's some pride that I can get from that and, and people might look at me and think, he or she is always in the know. That's not the person that God really wants to know. That's not how God wants things to be done. Rather than spreading all the dirt, we need to keep it covered. 
Don't go around spreading everything you know just because you know it. And there are some things that need to stay covered. Bad things, we don't need to go around telling that, and especially when people's intent is not what it ought to be. Or maybe you just have a chip on your shoulder. Maybe, it's, maybe it has nothing to do with that somebody's done something bad, but maybe you just have a chip on your shoulder and you just feel like you you got to tell somebody about it. You have to just talk about that person and those people. Well, listen to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 16. All the way back under the old law, God spoke about gossip. He said, do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Even in the camp of Israel, God knew that gossip was going to be a problem and that it is a pro- was a problem. People live in that close in proximity, knowing each other that well, traveling together. God says, I don't want you going around spreading slander. Don't be gossiping, backbiting, and being a busybody in somebody else's business. Listen to Proverbs 11.9. The Bible says the hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. We need to realize that it's not my business and it's not my right to go around telling everything I think I know. You know, there are people who do this in the Lord's church. Yep, right here in this congregation. And it sows a lot of discord. That's one of the things that God hates. You don't need to be telling stuff on people just because you know it. Because you just have to tell it or talk about that person. And just because you've heard something, that doesn't give you the right to spread that, um, spread that or tell everybody about it. You know who the bigger person is? The person, uh, the bigger person is the one who keeps that secret. I'm not talking about secret sin here now. Don't, don't misconstrue what I'm saying. The godly person is the person who may know something, but he or she has also got enough wisdom to know that doesn't need to go any further. Now imagine how much good it would do if the gossip stopped with one person and it never went any further. What if you did hear something from someone else? Say John was gossiping about something and I hear it, John, stop that. You're my brother and you don't need to be doing that. Just that simple. So then, then John, John, that stops John from going to tell court. And then court is not telling everybody else. That's how it can work if we do that. Because we are a family and that's what we should be doing with one another. I should go to John and love. John, I, brother, I don't want to hear that. And if you have a problem, as James spoke to us about this morning, with your brother or sister, Matthew chapter 18 gives us the remedy for that. Let's do our part to do just that. One last teaching from the book of Proverbs about the tongue. I think it's a wonderful idea. The Christian, the godly person's tongue should be used for kindness and to encourage and be kind to other people. I want to direct your attention to Proverbs chapter 31. This individual in verse 26 is what we're um, talk, who we're mentioning is also known as the virtuous wife or the virtuous woman. Her beauty, her godly life is exalted in this chapter through several verses there. But here's one of the characteristics of her tongue. 
She opens her mouth. Proverbs 31, 26 says, she opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. What law does her tongue live by? What guards her speech? Whatever she says, she tries to say it as kind and as loving as she can say it. Oh, that we were all like that. That we had that attitude that when we opened our mouth, and words rolled off our tongue that they were covered in the law of kindness. Kindness needs to be part of everything we say and do. Even when we have to discipline our children. Even when we have to say things that are difficult and maybe admonish one another. Because remember, as we talked last week, that is not just an elder's responsibility. We have to admonish one another and help each other get to heaven. And even when we say things that we know most of the world doesn't agree with, we want to do it and, and make sure that it's said in kindness and love and that people know our motives. The greatest thing we can say in kindness today is that God loves you deeply. God loves every individual deeply, and he wants them to all be saved. He wants us all to be saved. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Now, isn't that some of the most beautiful words that are rolled off anybody's tongue? John three sixteen. God wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. First Timothy 2, 3 and 4. God's not slow concerning his priorities, or, or some would say slack, that some men count slowness, but he's long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, Second Peter 3, 9. In love and kindness, we want you to know today, if you're not a member of the body, that God wants you to be saved. He loves you and he has done everything possible to make salvation available. So much so that he gave us his best gift. It's true. All have sinned, Romans 3.23, and fallen short of the glory of God. It's sad and it's true also that the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. Now here's the good news though. Here's the love of God and the kindness of God. God so loved the world that God made a way to be saved from sin. Because sin separates us from him. Sin keeps us from our eternal home in heaven. Instead, it helps us to that other eternal home, which is hell. Listen to the second part of Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, but aren't you glad that's there, that the, the but is there? But the gift of the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come unto me and I'll give you rest. Matthew chapter 11. Those are words of love and kindness from the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you today, if you've never obeyed the gospel, or maybe you've never put on, you never put on the Lord Jesus Christ, 
Why not do that today? Why not do that tonight? Why wait? Why wait for something else to happen? Why wait for another Messiah to come? Not another one is coming. There's only one. There's nothing else that God is going to send our way to to try to get us to understand that he loves us. He sent Jesus. And that's the great sacrifice. You see, there can be no salvation without Jesus Christ. He is the only way, the only truth. He's the only life, John 14, 6. Without Christ, there is no hope in the world. And Satan as well will try to get you to understand that there's there's hope somewhere else. Something else is going to come. Don't worry. God will give you another chance on the day of judgment. He's giving you a chance and opportunity now while you're on earth. You see, the good news is anybody who's willing to listen to the Bible and do what God says can be saved. My question is, do you believe that Jesus is truly the Savior of the world? In Acts chapter 8, as Philip is traveling down the road with the Ethiopian unit, he's been telling him about Christ, and he finally gets to the point, the Ethiopian unit, that is, Here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip says, if you believe with all your heart, you may. I encourage you today to believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and as the Savior of the world. Have you changed your way of thinking? Changed your way of acting? Would you turn to God in repentance? Peter preached in Acts 3.19 to repent and turn that your sins may be blotted out. Turn from a life of sin, a life of hurt, and a life of ungodliness to Jesus Christ. Would you be willing to make the good confession? I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Acts 8.37, and Romans 10.9-10. Having done those things to have every sin washed away, would you be immersed in water? We often say the water is available, it's ready, it always is here, it's available. To become a child of God, the Bible clearly teaches you must be baptized in water. Jesus said, he that believes and is baptized will be saved. He that does not believe shall be condemned. What are the two things Jesus said you've got to do to be saved? He says that he that believes and is baptized will be saved. Listen to what Peter said in Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. Listen to what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, 5. Unless a man is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. The apostle Paul, who had his whole life turned around by Jesus. You remember in Acts 9 when he was told, Lord, what would you have me to do? Go in the city and be told and be told you what you must do. Or it'll be told to you what you must do. Paul recounts that must in Acts twenty-two sixteen, as he t- was told by Ananias, arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. The Bible says baptism does now also save us. First Peter three twenty-one. I want to encourage you: if you are not a member of the body, if you have not put on Christ to obey the gospel, not obey Jaylee Jackson, obey God, obey Jesus Christ. And maybe if if 
our tongues hasn't, haven't been used for the right things, Christians. Maybe we have said words that weren't right, brothers and sisters. Maybe we haven't spoken the truth at times, or maybe we've been involved in gossip or slander. You can turn away from that. You can come forward tonight and, and you know, you've repented to God and ask God for forgiveness and ask us to pray for you. You can ask God for forgiveness and know that he will forgive you. That's the wonderful thing about being a Christian is that we have that promise that when we sin and we repent and we ask God for forgiveness, we are forgiven. There's no waiting period. There's no, there's no, well, let me see, like we do with one another. Aren't you glad that I don't have a heaven or hell to put you in? Because I'm sure glad that you don't have one to put me in. Because, <clears throat> excuse me, just maybe we wouldn't act like God. In fact, I know we wouldn't. So I'm so glad we have God to forgive us. Our hope and prayer today is that you'll do just that. That if you have not put on Christ, that you will today. And that if you need prayers of the congregation, of the church, you let it be known as we stand and sing the invitational hymn.